Good morning, church. We welcome you to Gate Ministries once again this morning in the precious name of Jesus. Want to thank you so much for your faithfulness in Christ, faithfulness even in this ministry, that it is become your watering hole. It's become a place where you would come and be refreshed. It's become a place or an avenue through which you can be taken away from your own thoughts and hear somebody else's opinion. And in all that, if you are able then to bring it down to what does the Word of God say, then you are doing very well. I want to commend you before God this morning because I sincerely believe the time is now that the Church of Jesus Christ needs to know its parameters, it needs to know its guidelines, it needs to know, yes, its prophetic destiny, but if the prophetic destiny is based on somebody else's wishful thinking over your life, you need to seriously take it before God. Do not throw it away because there are some things that God has said uh, it will tarry. So don't rush things. Don't rush in uh, deciding to throw things away if uh, you've been prophesied over and nothing happens in the next day might not even be in the next year. It might take a little while. But one thing I realized out of Mary's experience, that the moment she took responsibility for that word, and also you, if you would read back at that uh, Luke chapter 1, it doesn't say immediately when uh, that was, she was prophesied over. She then ran to Elizabeth it would seem she digested what she needed to hear. Elizabeth also, she had to sit a month and really just take in the things that were happening in her life at that time. And so I believe the Church of Jesus Christ has now has got to come to that place where we can digest what God is saying, irrespective of what is happening in the world around us. I believe the word of God needs to be direct and directed at us. Let's not read the word and see somebody else in it to fulfill that. But what is our responsibility going forward? And so before we get in into the word, I have got two questions that I'm going to ask. But before that, can we just pray? Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we come before you this morning, my Father. Lord, desiring to hear your word, to hear you speak to us. To allow your word to come alive. To allow your word, O oh God, to give us direction in a time of mayhem all over the world. But Lord, we know that your word never fails, you never change. Man might misunderstand and mishear what you are saying. But one thing for sure, 
your word never lies. Your word says it might tarry, but it will surely come alive. So this morning we pray even for those, God, that are sick. Those, are oh God, who are experiencing infirmities in their bodies. We want to thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are sovereign even over sickness. Over every circumstance, O oh God, that might come against us. But Lord, when we would put you first in everything that we would do, Lord, we know that it is by your spirit that we would enjoy immunity from the attacks of the enemy. I know many have lost their lives, not that they were not in faith, but that does not give us the reason that we should not stay in faith. Because, Lord, your word says, if we live or die, we do all those things in accordance with your purpose for our lives. I would not dare to speak on behalf of anybody else, but I will speak to each individual. I will speak to myself. That when I put you as a pinnacle of my life, you are able to guide me, you are able to give me direction. And so I pray the same for those that would hear this broadcast. That they will take you personally, personally, and endeavor to live for you to the fullness of their ability. We know that the enemy will try and distract us, bring attacks against us. But Father, I thank you that your grace will always be sufficient for us. I bless every person of God that would listen to this broadcast, even those that would hear secondhand. Father, that you would bless your people. I pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray even for those that are in the nursing field, those, God, that have a responsibility to care, even in the time of such deep trial. Lord, that they would not be overcome by fear, but Father God will overcome fear with faith, knowing, Father God, that the assignment is not finished until you say so. We bless the nurses, God. We bless the doctors. We bless the ambulance service, my Father. We pray, God, a hand of protection over them. Lord, those that will go out to help those that are in need, Father, that you, Father God, will sovereignly, sovereignly, my Father, bless them, O oh God, with wisdom. Not the wisdom of man, but the wisdom of God. Lord, sometimes we can get these things also mixed up. But there is the wisdom of man and then there is the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God always leads to life. The wisdom of man is only short-sighted because our wisdom is based on those things that we can feel, those things that we can touch. And sometimes we can have many things to say but when they do not have God as a center of the things we say, failure is more likely to take place. And then we feel that God has let us down. 
So we pray this morning, God, even as we will go into your word, that you will go before us, O oh God. You will prepare the hearts. You will prepare my own heart, God. You will prepare my ear to hear exactly what you want to impart to your people this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> you know, this morning, I went for my walk again. And of course, with this lockdown, I had to wait until around six o'clock. I left home at 10 to six. And uh, yes, there were few people already active on the road. But as I went deeper into the residential area, I didn't notice it at first. But there's one particular house as I went past. I suddenly felt the peace, the quietness, that the neighborhood was absolutely at rest. Didn't even hear dogs barking at this place. And I suddenly felt, this is quite interesting, in that they went to bed, or oh, we all did. We went to bed, and without even praying about it, we knew that the sun will rise. We knew that the morning will come. We knew that we would have to face tomorrow. Sometimes we're not even prepared for it. And yet tomorrow surely comes. And I had to take that and say, Lord, do we actually just have faith in that the sun will rise? Do we ever think that the sun will rise? Do we ever think that it is because it is God-ordained, or we just believe that's how nature works? And so the thought came to me that I need to ask each and every one of us, which I had to ask myself, are you convinced of your salvation? Are you sure that everything is in place? And the next thing, the next question is, in other words, are you sure that you are saved? Are you sure that your salvation is authentic? The next question is, are you sure of the relevance, the relevance of Jesus Christ in this day and age? It's a question. What do you say about this Jesus? You can't say anything about Jesus. Well, lots of people can. All have their own opinion about Jesus. His relevance then is still relevant today. And then, having asked that question, I'm going to take you to the words of Paul. 
And for me, if we can answer like Paul or state our position like Paul, then it doesn't matter what things will happen around us if we are convinced of our salvation. Then everything else, every challenge that will come against us will be answered in this manner. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul called an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sostanus, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called saints, with all that, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both the days and hours. And I was reminded that if our calling was just to get saved and thereafter after get ready for heaven, then I believe our calling was based on fear. Or our salvation was based on fear. But if, like Paul, you understand that his calling had a purpose in it, I don't know what your purpose might be or what you sensed. I had to say to somebody else, you need to remind yourself of the day you said yes to Jesus. Not, I'm not talking about goosebumps. I'm not talking about the hype, the hysteria that uh, might, uh, I, I know some, but what was the core that you felt in your spirit on the day that you said yes to Jesus or the day you heard the, the gospel of salvation? The reality that God wants to have an intimate relationship with you. What was it like? What gripped your heart? What made you say, I want to follow Jesus? And I want to ask you if there was relevance in this Jesus at the inception of your salvation. Child of God, you will do well to guard your heart with all diligence. Because right now, your salvation is in question. By everything that is happening around us, there is a big question mark that is arising in the children of God, having heard many prophecies that have gone out on uh, world events, on, uh, on what God's next move will be, even though some, uh, their next move will be, come Lord Jesus and take us out of here. I want to appeal to you, go back to that first love that you had 
for the Lord Jesus Christ and the body of Christ at large and the people of God. Whether they have acknowledged him as their savior today or they've simply go to church because it is the right thing to do. Now that churches are closed down, what is your relationship with Jesus? Is there even good morning, Jesus? Is there even a heart of gratitude when you have that plate of food, the job that you have, the money that you will earn? Is there any moment in time that I will say, Lord, it is through your grace that I am here. I experience your peace as I do right now. I read a piece where there was this meeting where the speaker asked the people that he was speaking to. He said, is there anyone that is prepared to answer this question? The question being, does your husband make you happy? And it went very quiet for a moment. And there's a lady that uh, stuck her hand up and the speaker said, well, does your husband make you happy? And the man, knowing how his relationship with, with his wife is, began to straighten himself out, ready to hear the accolades that would be showered upon him because of all the things that he does for his wife. And his wife says, no, my husband does not make me happy. I want to emphasize, it wasn't the first day that we met. It wasn't the day that we got married. And up to this point, that he makes me happy. She said, because from the outset of my life, I chose to be happy. And so if I am not happy in myself, nobody can make me happy. Likewise, to you and I, we have a choice to be happy. Money cannot make you happy. Coming to church cannot make you happy. Even following Jesus cannot make you happy if you have chosen to be miserable. The choice is yours. The realization that you have a responsibility to the condition of your heart. That's why I said, if Jesus blessed you with salvation, it is your responsibility to guard what goes in into your mind. What you read, 
is absolutely important. If you would read your Bible and look for promises and not find uh, God's condition for performing his word in you, then you will surely be disappointed in God. Because God is not going to twist your arm and say, you will do this. God will give you the option. Just as he gave man totally on the earth, he gave them the responsibility to choose life or to choose death. Sometimes when you speak about life and death being in the tip of your tongue, we always think when death comes that we disappear from planet earth. But there are some that are walking around, I in church, and they have already died. Because their interaction with God is only based on a Sunday. And now that we have a lockdown, I wonder how many will bother themselves to even read the Bible. Because I have nobody to go and impress in church. I have uh, nobody that uh, if they ask me a question, I must at least have that something to say. But I found um, Jesus, you know, I found that, I found that Jesus knew what was going to happen to him and that way was going to happen to him. And yet he proceeded to go towards Jerusalem, knowing there that he was going to be killed. But he went there. He knew that the Pharisees could not stand him. But he wasn't deterred by what they said about him. All he was interested in is to fulfill God's law. And I found it interesting that uh, the scripture in uh, Mark 14 tells us that uh, the time of Passover was at hand. And it says, I think it's in verse 12, Mark 14, verse 12. He says to his disciples, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and yet you do not do what I ask you to, or what I tell you to do. And they said to him, Lord, what way are you going to eat the Passover? And then he says to two of his, he says to two of his disciples, go into town, walk in the street, you will find a man that is carrying a, pitch, a pitcher of water and just simply follow him. And I was wondering who is the one that is carrying the pitcher of water, the container of water that people just had to follow when you come into town. And I wondered, Lord, are we carrying the picture of your anointing? Are we, do we have the container that carries the anointing that people need to follow? 
And then anyway, Jesus says, wherever this man enters. Now, I don't have the answer to this. Because we, it, uh, it, the scripture says, when you get in, in there, say to the good man of the house, where have you set the table for the master? For he needs to come and have supper with his disciples. Was it the man carrying the picture? That when he entered his house, he became the good man of the house? Was there somebody else in there that had already made ready? Because the two disciples that went, they found the place was ready. One of the things that I drew from that was, Lord, help me to have my heart ready to receive you to come and sup with me. I don't believe we have to go to a certain place for God to come and sup with us. I believe we have to be in readiness at all times because we do not know who will come to our doorsteps or the doorstep of our heart that we can invite him in to come and sup with us and give us the comfort of his Holy Spirit, the comfort that would lead us to all truths. My prayer today is that all of us would have the wisdom how to have the pitcher or the container or the jar that is filled with the Holy Spirit so that we could cause even strangers to begin to follow us as they see us putting Christ on display. I believe that we are the agency that God will be made visible. The church, yes, brings us together in one place, but each and every one of us needs to learn how to house God in our own homes, in our own self. Because if we would wait for everybody in that nucleus to come into the same position where we are, we will never get going. But if we will take personal responsibility, like Mary, she took personal responsibility to go and connect with Elizabeth. And in the connection to Elizabeth, the impartation of grace that Mary carried was transferred into John the Baptist, who was still in the womb, thereby birthing his ministry so that salvation could come to all of us. But first, it had to be placed in one container. That container had to leak everything that it possessed and carried because somebody took the responsibility of accepting the word of God upon their lives and having the conviction to go and make that connection. 
You cannot, child of God, have a word that is burning inside of you and wait for a convenient time that you can impress. We have to learn when the word comes, you know, in gate ministries in Dundee, we have a WhatsApp group that you can share that word so that it can be reshared and reshared elsewhere for the benefit of the body of Jesus Christ. Don't wait when the church opens. I tell you what, by the time the church reopens, that word would have died in you already. So I encourage you, when you have a word of encouragement, please do release it. You can send it to me personally. I will share it. When I find that this word is what God is saying currently, not wishful thinking, I'm talking about the authentic word of God, that God will speak out of Scripture and bring it to us. Keep your heart and minds focused on the Spirit of the living God, and God will see you through it all. Stay safe in the Spirit of the living God. And so, I must continue with what Paul says. Verse 3, he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And in uh, verse 8, I'm going to use uh, certain verses. I'm not reading the whole thing because it's, if you read that, then you seem to lose the central uh, message to this. And so verse 8 says, Who shall also confirm you unto the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ? God is faithful, by whom you are called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Is Jesus relevant today? Are you relevant to Jesus today? Because Jesus is not going to change. As I said this morning, we all assume when we go to bed, when we awake, in the, in the morning, the sun will be up. Whether it's covered by clouds, we will know that the sun is up. And so, if the one that spoke to the elements that this is your duty, this is your responsibility, and never once did the sun say, no, I ain't going to rise. Yes, I know Joshua spoke to the son because he was commanded to. God told him to. It, it's not just for defiance or wanting to be the man of the moment. 
ask the sun to stand still. No. God said to Joshua, for you to finish the task, for it has to be finished today, you can command the sun. Now Joshua could have said, nah, that can't happen. No, Joshua was obedient. And everything that we do, that God has commanded us to do, let us be obedient to do it. Don't wait for another day, another time. Do it now. Do it when God speaks. That's why I'm saying, if God has spoken, speak it. Do not hide or wait for another time. Do not, do not add your own vet to it. Just as it's been relayed to you, speak it. Even if it's one word, say it. Say it. Okay, my next uh, uh, verse is verse 10. He says, Now I beseech you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same knowledge. Now, if we add value to what Scripture says, then we cannot be of the same mind. But if we take Scripture and use Scripture as that which God has said, then we can be of the same mind, we read the same word, we can be of the same knowledge. I know that King James says of the same judgment, but I prefer the word, the word knowledge. Judgment, people still have a battle with the word judgment. But it is to judge things whether they be right or wrong. It's not about judging anybody else. It is about making a personal decision. Am I going to receive the word like the, uh, what is, is being uh, uh, given to me and take it as that which is uh, for me? You can only do that when it has resonated with your spirit. You, I cannot force feed you what you won't take in. And I can't say everything that I say, it is for you. Yes, it might be for somebody else, but it is for that somebody else to also make a decision. Is this word for me? Is this the current word of God that is being spoken right now? Or is there something else to it? Verse 18 says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolish, foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Please stay with me. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom did not know God. 
it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The wisdom of man. Okay, let me read the next verse. Verse 22, it says, For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews. It is a stumbling block. And to the Greeks, it's foolishness. As somebody said, if God is so mighty, so knowing everything, how could he die? How could he be crucified? Wisdom wants to know things in their minds. But the word of God tells us that it is the spirit of God that we need to discern or to understand things. Because everything is processed through our minds. And our minds cannot make sense of why God doesn't just come and bulldoze things over and just force himself and force his will upon everybody else if things are going against him. But I want to warn you, child of God, that it was right in the beginning where God gave us a choice. He knew that there will be a dispute about all these things here. Why, if God is sovereign, why doesn't he just come and fix things? But they know that there is an opposition to everything that God does. Because then uh, the Jews can say, well, we do circumcision. Our circumcision protects us from this and from that. And so that is why they needed a sign when they saw Jesus being crucified that that sign of the coming of Messiah canceled Jesus out. Because for them, the coming of the Messiah would be one that will come and save. But their salvation was based on the flesh, not in the spirit. And that is where a lot of prophecies have lost it. Because we prophesy and we want to see material, visible things happening. We do not take it that the prophecies, it is about putting the hedge of fire one of the things that I looked at this morning on my walk, particularly the house that I passed, where I felt all these, and these questions began to flood all over me. I felt they were in peaceful slumber, but then also you saw the signs of an alarm system outside. You saw they had a fence around their home 
that was their sign of security. But I tell you this, if the sign of your security is on the external, those external things cannot buy peaceful sleep in your life, cannot buy you freedom to sleep with your doors open, tell you the best security yet is Jesus Christ himself. Trusting God that even if people will come to want to do harm to you, I always see Elijah having these people coming to arrest him. And he will get out of his house and say, well, if it's lo you're looking for Eli Elijah or Elisha, I'm not too sure right now, come, I'll show you where he lives. And then, of course, he took them on a walk and took them right back where they came from. The word of God says, God just clothed them with blindness. And so if my, I want to place my faith in that reality, that no harm shall come near me, I'm not going to be presumptuous about it. I simply have to trust God that he has my back. I'm not going to allow fear to plant seeds of doubt. When we were over the Christmas holidays, twice I drove to my workshop to inspect if there was no shenanigans there. I had forgotten that I had asked God to place his angels around that property. And so I have to constantly remind myself that God secures my peace. God secures my properties. The things that matter to me most, I can only entrust them to God. Even right now, we are surrounded by this coronavirus. Many are waiting for the vaccine. By all signs that are going on right now, by the time that vaccine comes, it will be irrelevant. You heard that the, uh, the virus has mutated. It's become more potent, more dangerous than the first virus that came. So who are you going to trust? Who knows what that vaccine carries? But by now, we should know that God is my keeper. He's been there. He's always been there. He's never changed. But we find it very difficult to trust God. We will trust God as long as we can give support to God by all the things that we have to do and take. By this, I'm not discouraging anybody to take the vaccine, to take the precautionary measures that we all need to do. 
Because I would not say because you trust God, you need to just walk in front of a car and believe that God is going to protect you. I'm not talking about foolishness like that. I'm saying be real, but don't replace God in your life with these temporary things. God will always be there. God will always keep you safe. And so, don't be like the foolish Jews that look for a sign and the Greeks who want to work it out. How does it actually work? You tell me about this faith. What does faith look like? How does it work? As I said, you went to bed last night. You woke up this morning knowing that the sun would be up. Develop the same kind of faith that you, don't, you didn't pray that the sun will rise up. The sun is always there because God instructed it to be so. God instructed the elements. You know, I was, I was driving out of town and somehow I just began to smell the earth, the soil, and began to realize that everything that is around us has been deputized by God for our benefit. Everything is for our benefit. And God is ready, is ready to instruct, or has instructed already, sorry about that, has instructed that as you put your seed into the ground in its season, that seed will produce. And so, if this day you will take your faith and plant the seed of faith in God, your faith in God will grow. If you question from the inception how it works, you're not going to see it. Because when you plant a seed, you don't go there daily or hourly to go and open, an, open it up and see, is it actually functioning? When you place your seed into the ground, you have the same faith that it is going to produce a crop. Will you develop that simple faith that whatever I place in God's hand, it is safe and it is going to grow. Don't be like the Greeks asking for wisdom but forgetting to have faith in God. The Jews wanted a sign. Are you the one Show us. You know, just lift your hand and let everybody scatter. And Jesus wasn't going to be taken up in that, in those things. I've seen many men and women of God who have moved mightily in the prophetic, in signs, wonders, and miracles. And for some reason, most of them 
have ended up on a scrap heap. And I have to say, God anointed them. And fame became their undoing. The applause of man became their undoing. They crave the approval of man more than they crave the approval of God. It is only by God's grace that we stand or can stand. We can only improve, develop, and grow not by how much of teaching we will receive. If we have developed an unteachable spirit, even if an angel were to come from heaven, we will still fall short of God's glory. God's glory is not brought down by how much of praise and worship we offer unto God. It is as we lay down our lives and say, Lord, if you don't use this, it's going to die. I was intrigued by the story of Jonah. After he was chucked out by the fish. You know, it's just all the shenanigans that we get to. Not that Jonah was afraid of what laid ahead. If there were men that needed to be afraid what lies ahead, people like Jesus, people like Paul. I mean, God was direct with Paul. I'm going to show you the things that you must suffer. He was told that. The things that you will suffer when you go and fix up all the mess you've made. I mean, he could have just also said, well, I'm not suffering. You know, I'm such an educated man. Why would I go and allow myself to fall into suffering? But they took that, the responsibility of fixing his wrong, Paul I'm talking about. Jonah, he ran away from God because he said, I know the moment I preach to these people, they're going to repent. And you're going to forgive them. No, I can't do that, God. Don't let that be your attitude. Doesn't matter how you've been wronged. It is time for you to put your opinion aside and say, God, your opinion is far more important than my personal opinion. Don't look for wisdom. How can I escape this one here? It is God. You go before me. I am unlearned, Moses said. Moses counted on his own inadequacy. He thought it was about him becoming the hero. And God said, well, I will use you because you are unlikely to be puffed up. 
And God wants to use you. Whether you are a go-getter. I love people that uh, have uh, got no qualms about sharing Jesus. They are ready to fire on all cylinders simply because they have a passion for people that do not know their position in Christ Jesus. Because it is as we take responsibility for what God has done in your life. Paul <clears throat> took responsibility for what God had done in his life, saving him from committing more murders and uh, desecrating the church of Jesus Christ. He took responsibility to rectify his mistakes. Go-getters do not fear man. They fear God. They simply have to stay in the reality that God is still central of their actions. I ask you once again, stay focused on Jesus Christ. It is going to be a time of trial, but a time of deep satisfaction when we would see how God is going to maneuver us through all this year. We have to remain faithful, not because we fear circumstances around us. We need to fear that man must not go into an eternity or to a Christless eternity. God, you've done it for me. I'm sure you can do it for my neighbor. As I said, one of the things that when I walk, I haven't done it while driving, it has been in my walk. I pray about other things, but there are some houses I will say, Lord, visit here. Visit here, Lord. Release your blessing over this home. Let salvation come. I'm not selective to whom I say that. I'm beginning to take different routes. Bless you, Lord. Make alive, you Lord. Make clear where there's been a, a, a cloudy day in their lives. And keep your people safe. Um, yes, I, I wrote here, I've said, those of you that are saved, it's time to put Jesus on display. Make sure that you have your upper room ready. Have your guest room in your heart. I'm not talking about building around your, your personal uh, home. I'm talking about in your own life. Take Jesus on board. Let him be the one who makes things happen in your life because you have given him permission to work on your behalf. God bless you richly and keep you safe. More 
than anything else. I pray safety over your spiritual man. I pray safety over your spiritual man. As long as your spiritual man is alive and ready to move forward for God, your body will be maintained and kept alive. In Jesus' mighty name, God bless you richly. Amen.